All right, we are in John chapter 1, but we're getting to the end of John chapter 1 here. So uh, we are at verse 43. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you want a Bible, there's some under the uh, usher's table in the back. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, how many of you feel entirely comfortable doing evangelism? okay why is it that we sometimes feel uncomfortable with this there you go that's I think the biggest one that a lot of people kind of are like well I don't have all the answers right (laughs) guess what neither do I (laughs) the only one who does is Jesus so there's that right okay what else yep Right, the, the the church is full of hypocrites, right? And there's room for another. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What else? They might not be interested. <laughs> they might not be interested. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we can come up with all kinds of reasons, right? Okay. But sometimes I think we way overcomplicate this thing because here was. Here was the entirety of Nathaniel's evangelism program. Come and see. <laughs> he doesn't claim to have all the answers. He doesn't claim to know everything there is to know. Um, maybe his friend won't be interested, but he wants his friend to be interested because he cares about his friend. Right? So he says, hey, come and see. Right? That's not real complicated evangelism, is it? It's just, hey, come meet Jesus, right? And ultimately, that's, that's what evangelism is about. We want people to meet Jesus. We want them to know him, to hear from him, 
You don't have all the answers. That's okay. You know Jesus, right? Can you introduce somebody to Jesus? Yeah, you can. Um, And you can even say, well, I don't even know how, how to talk about this very well, but hey, come and see. I will sit with you in the service and walk, you know, help you to know what's going on and, and to uh, be able to, to be a part of this. Or I will sit with you in this Bible study and we can do this uh, together. I just really want you to hear this. I want you to know the, the things that I know, uh, the things that, that Jesus is and said. Okay. So Philip uh, has already been called, right? Jesus calls him, right? Follow me. I don't think that was the entirety of the conversation. It wasn't just like walking down the street. Follow me. That's it. And you know, uh, um, you know, I think there was there was already you know something there, but ultimately that's what it was, right? Follow me. That's what he says to us, isn't it? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? To follow him. Okay, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Again, John just drops in Andrew and Peter like you're supposed to know who they are, doesn't he? And he does that, why? Because you're supposed to know who they are based on the other Gospels. All right, John's Gospel is the last one, filling in some gaps that uh, weren't covered in the other Gospel accounts, but... Uh, you already know about these guys. Now you're going to learn more, right? It's really kind of neat how he does this. He just drops it in there rather than explain anything about them. Um, so uh, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. All right, so What is this whole deal about him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote? What is he saying? Oh, I mean, really, it's a shorthand way of saying that, isn't it? This is the Christ, the Messiah, the one that has been promised. This is the one, the Old Testament. They wouldn't call it the Old Testament. They would just call it the scriptures, right? This is the one uh, of whom the scriptures testify. And he's come, and his name is Jesus, and he is the son of Joseph. Now, that's a little more complicated right there, isn't it? Is he the son of Joseph? Yes and no, right? Yes and no, correct. As far as the world could tell, and uh, as an earthly father, an adoptive father... Most certainly, right? Um, which is a good reminder for us. Like, adoptive parenting isn't like lesser than. You know, I think there's a stigma sometimes that um, we'll he- you'll hear people say uh, things like, um, "Oh, those aren't those aren't your children. They're your adopted children." Or something to that effect. And they don't mean <laughs> harm by it, but it's, it belittles that relationship, doesn't it? Uh, so 
I, I actually had a friend who has all, all of his kids are adopted, um, and somebody asked him, um, "How many of them are yours?" <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, like, well, all of them. <laughs> okay, so that that adoptive relationship is is legitimate and real and not lesser than. Right? This is it is a relationship that is out of love. Um, but yeah, the, the Old Testament testifies. Moses testifies of this Jesus. The prophets testify of this Jesus. And uh, so he, he goes to his friend Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel probably has another name. It's not uncommon in the Bible for people to have multiple names, is it? Right? Anybody know the other name for him? Bartholomew. Yeah. Bartholomew. Uh, this is probably, you know, the same guy, but probably Bartholomew. He's paired with, with Philip in other Gospels, um, you know, most likely. Anyway, he goes to him. He says, we know, we, we found the one that, that the scriptures testify of. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And <laughs> Nathaniel doesn't sound real interested, does he? Right? What's his response? Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Right? <laughs> What's wrong with Nazareth? Uh, well, it's kind of a backwater, you know, they, would, they might say, oh, it's a, it's, it's a hick town, you know. <laughs> There's nothing important there. If you're going to have something important, where's it going to come from? Jerusalem, right? Nazareth. Come on. What's that? That's right. Michigan. Can anything good come from Michigan? Yeah. Um, but it, but I, I think um, there still can be that tendency in the church to be like, well, where do the really important big things happen? In the big churches. And those big churches are usually in important cities or, you know, for us, uh, you know, in the LCMS, you know, it's got to be St. Louis, of course, or, or, or Fort Wayne, because those the seminaries are there. That's where the important stuff happens. And, you, you know, Sunbury, you know, whatever, big deal. But big things happen here. Why? Because God's at work, right? This is where God is doing his work. So it's not lesser than, again, it's not lesser than what's going on in some big church, in some big city. Um, God is doing the same saving work here. Okay, but uh, he's like, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip says, what? Come and see. There you go. The entirety of his evangelistic um, you know, program right there. Hey, come meet Jesus. That's it. Okay, and Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, sometimes we have this, this, the, the translation, you know, you get that behold, like it sounds old timey or something, but really it's just in Greek, it's, it's idu, it's like, look, look at, looky here, right? Um, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Um, so he, he right off the bat is saying, I know who you are. Um, 
And Nathaniel says, well, how do you know me? <laughs> well, uh, this is, when you know who you're talking to, you know, you kind of chuckle at that one, right? You know, well, Jesus, how do you know me? <laughs> well, there's this whole thing that um, I'm omniscient, right? <laughs> I'm all-knowing. I, I know all things because I'm God. Um, but uh, he's, you know, how do you know me? And, and before uh, he answered, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So we we don't know exactly what the deal is with you know being under the fig tree. Maybe that was just where he was hanging out, and where the um, uh, where, where they the interaction happened with Philip. Maybe. Um, maybe it was even before that. Maybe he was sitting under the fig tree reading the scriptures and trying to figure out who this Messiah was supposed to be. Uh, maybe he was sitting under the fig tree taking a nap. I don't know. It doesn't tell us exactly. Uh, but he was there. Jesus saw him there. And Philip was like, yeah, I was under the fig tree. All right? How would, he, how would he know that? Except that he is who my friend claims him to be. Right? The Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And so Nathaniel, right away, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. So this is um, a pretty early um, confession, isn't it? Early in Jesus' ministry, we get this confession. We often think of the confession of Peter, right? You know, who do people say that I am? Some say Moses, some say Elijah, right? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says what? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And here, way before that, (laughs) you are the son of God. So this is another of those phrases that we're going to be looking at throughout the Gospel of John. We've already seen that Jesus is described as what? The light of the world. What else? A lamb of God. And now we add to that the son of God. Okay? And these phrases, these uh, titles, they're going to they're gonna be important. They're going to continue to tell us, to instruct us about Jesus. All right? So you are the son of God. And he adds to that what? You are the king of Israel. Oh, he doesn't look like a king, does he? He's just like calling followers to come and follow him. And he's the Lamb of God. That doesn't sound very kingly. (laughs) Uh, But this phrase, King of Israel, is an important one too. Why? There you go. King of Israel. This is a phrase that goes back to the promise made to David that there would be one who would sit on David's throne as king and rule forever. Well, here he is. Here's the one who's going to be the king who rules forever. Uh, 
But it's, it's, it's also a little bit more than that because king of Israel, who was the king of Israel before there was a king of Israel? God. It was a theocracy, right? God was the king. He gave all the orders. He told them what to do. And then the people come along and they're like, but we want a king like everybody else has a king. And God finally was like, fine, you want a king? I'll give you a king. You're going to hate it. (laughs) You're going to regret it, but I'll give you a king. But then ultimately God in his mercy gives a a human king who is also the divine king to be the better king, right? So um, this would be a good chance for us to review too. Uh, What is the threefold office of the Christ? Going back to confirmation class. Do you remember that? The threefold office of the Christ. Christ is the prophet, priest, and king. Okay? And what does a prophet do? Speaks God's word. Right? Yeah. He speaks God's word. Well, it's pretty easy to see how Jesus is the prophet (laughs) literally every word he says is the word of god because he is god right so he is the prophet right priest what do priests do in the old testament sacrifices and intercession right so jesus is the lamb of god he offers himself as the once for all perfect perfect sacrifice for sin right so he is the priest and he intercedes for us as we pray Uh, hebrews tells us about that that we can be confident that our prayers are heard because of our great high priest jesus who intercedes on our behalf and then king well he rules over the entire universe but also he rules in our hearts and he rules all things for our good so um he is prophet, he's priest, he's king. And so here, right away, Nathaniel says, you are the king of Israel, the son of God. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the, the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Okay, so, sounds familiar, doesn't it? What might this bring to mind for you? The ascending and descending. Yeah. Jacob fell asleep, right? With his comfy rock pillow. You know, we had the pet rocks... Back in the 70s, maybe we need to market that, right? Here's a rock pillow. It's biblical, so of course it'll sell. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's asleep. He's using a pillow for his, or a rock for his pillow, and he has this vision of angels of God ascending and descending. And sometimes it gets misunderstood as if we need to now go up to God by the means of this ladder. But really what it is, is God is sending down to us, bringing down to us. And then uh, the ascending is bringing up the, uh, the prayers that we have.
but uh, here it is a, a re- recollection of Bethel, right? Which is what uh, Jacob names that place because it means what? House of God, right? Bethel, house of God. Um, so, um, the house of God, that would mean the place where God dwells. Well, where is God dwelling here in this text? Oh, it's Jesus. <laughs> there, is, there is the house of God right there. Right? He is the house of God. He is the means by which we will be able to uh, ascend into heaven. And he is the one uh, by whom God descended to earth uh, to come to be with us and to serve us. Um, he is the one who sends angels uh, to guard and protects, protect us. Um, so, um, you know, it, it is... It is Jesus himself. This is, a, again, kind of the, going back to um, John 1.18. That um, no one has ever... Oh, no, not John 1.18. John 1.14. Um, and the word, be, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glories of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Right? The word became flesh and dwelt, but the, the word there is what? Tabernacled. Right? So God with us, among us. All right. Um, let's keep going here. All right. So chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does, that, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. All right, we'll stop there for a second. Okay. So, on the third day. Okay, this might just be a little bit of anticipation of another third day for you, right? And the wedding feast that is to come. Hmm, yeah. Okay, but Jesus is invited to a, a wedding at Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Why does it say the mother of Jesus? Why doesn't it say Mary? There were a lot of Mary. Yeah, there you, that, that's one good answer, yeah. There's a great Lutheran satire video uh, where uh, you know, they, they're supposedly fabricating the early you know, Christian writings, the, the Gospels and, and such, and... Um, the uh, one guy is like, well, what should we name this female character? Mary. And, uh, you know, next one, well, let's call her Mary. Yeah. Another one, Mary. Yeah. And I, I bet I know what you're going to name this one. You don't know. <laughs> Mary. Yeah. Uh, it's like, okay, if you're going to fabricate this thing, you're not going to name all these people the same name. It's just, it's just not what you would do. So again, just another uh, authentication of, uh, of scripture. But I think also there is this. She is named in relation to whom? To Jesus. Well, remember how John speaks of himself. The disciple whom Jesus loved. 
What's it really about? It's really about Jesus, isn't it? Your identity is in him. You know who you are through him. So Mary is the mother of Jesus. Well, the most important thing about her is her relation to Jesus. The most important thing about you is your relation to Jesus. You are baptized into Christ. That's the most important thing. Everything else is going to flow out of that identity of who you are in relation to Jesus. Okay, so um, Mary is there, uh, and the disciples are there. Okay, weddings, of course, in these times were not just like, hey, we're going to have the wedding, and then we'll have the party afterwards, and we're done. Right? It was, it, you know, several days of celebration, and it was a big deal, and. You know, all kinds of relatives would be invited and friends and, and anyway, uh, a big, big deal. Okay, so when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Okay, is this a huge deal in the grand scheme of things? No, not, 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 it's not like, um, hey, uh, everybody that came to the party is diseased and it's, they're all going to die. Jesus, can you help? Right? It's, they don't have enough wine. <laughs> the celebration's going to have to end. Uh, the bride and the groom are kind of going to be embarrassed because they didn't have enough provision. Right? Not great, but not, you know, not, not the worst thing in, in the world. Uh, so uh, they, she, she, Mary comes to Jesus. They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Um, well, what does it have to do with Jesus? Compassion. Okay. Well, are, are there areas of your life that don't have to do with Jesus? All of it, all of it does, right? It's not just when you're at church or doing churchy stuff. But everything does. So uh, what does this have to do with me? Well, it, it, it absolutely has to do with you because you are God who has come to save us. You are God, and, and, and this is the God who provides for all of our needs, who loves us dearly. So we might think that there are areas of our life where it's like, well, that's not really the Christian part of me. Well, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> Everything is in relation to Jesus. So what does this have to do with me? Well, it's not the primary thing that Jesus had come to do, right? It was not his primary ministry to come and do miracles um, and, and save the day so that a, a bride and a groom aren't embarrassed. But he cares about that too, doesn't he? Because there's no aspect of your life that's too small where you should say, I shouldn't bother with Jesus with this. Not a big deal. It absolutely is something he wants to help with. Go to him, right? Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. What hour? Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not real specific. Um, so, 
you know, we don't know exactly. It could be his, all right, my, my time of ministry. It could be, um, well, my time of revealing who I am in a public way. Um, you know, he's not, he's not, you know, real specific. Uh, but we're going to see ultimately the hour that John leads us to is the hour of his suffering and his death. Um, so that's the ultimate thing that Jesus comes to do, isn't it? Uh, yep. I'm just kind of an indirect relation of why she immediately thought of Jesus yeah. for something as insignificant as why. Right. Had he, we don't know, I guess, but why did she know that he could do that? Yeah. Um, had he done some kind of... She runs out of carrots. She says, Jesus, grab me some carrots. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because she also, she doesn't say, hey, um, make more wine. She just kind of seems like, well, yeah. I know Jesus can help. How, what he's going to do, I, I, I don't know, right? But uh, even even when... She says, you know, he says, you know, my hour has not yet come. What does he, what does she say? Hey, servants, do whatever he tells you. Because <laughs> I don't have the answers. He does. <laughs> uh, yeah, why does, why does she have this confidence? Well, she did have, you know, revealed to him or to her, you know, who he is by the, by uh, Gabriel. Um, but, you know, had he ever done miracles prior to this? We don't know. It doesn't speak of any in Scripture. There are some Gnostic Gospels where they make up all kinds of things that Jesus supposedly did in his childhood that don't sound like Jesus at all um, and are way later. You know, the, the dating of them is far later. Um, but, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't know that he did any, you know, anything like this before. Jake? Yeah, yeah. You know, like you talk about how Mary comes to her, comes in, and says, you know, this is a problem, you can fix it. Well, what, what do you want with me? What does this have to do with me? And then she says, do whatever he says, and the next thing tells the service to get charged. <laughs> well, it is interesting that uh, you still have that mother-son relationship, right? Jesus is... A son, and as son has um, the responsibility to his mother. <laughs> Honor your father and your mother. Guess what? That applied to Jesus too. He kept that law perfectly as well. Uh, so, honor your father and your mother, and, and she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Okay, and so now, verse 6, now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rite of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. All right. Six stone water jars there for the rites of purification and 20 or 30 gallons. So these are huge, right? And, of course, if you're going to fill them up, you don't turn on the water spigot. 
How are you going to be able to fill these things up? Carry them to the water water Yeah, I wouldn't carry them to the water. You're going to carry the water to them because can you imagine trying to carry 30 gallons of water? Um, How heavy that would be? And and water too. What does it do as you're walking? You know, it's shifting around. It's, oh, that's, that's, that's tough. Um, So, but he, but he tells them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. <laughs> so huge amounts of water. Now, these were used for purification. They're filled with water. Jesus is going to turn the water into wine. I don't know. Maybe we should be thinking of another use of wine that, use, uh, that God does purification through, Right? Ah, yeah. The wedding feast. Here you go. Come to the Lord's table, right? It's part of that feast. So Jesus has them fill it all the way to the top. And he said to them, now draw some of the water out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. So he tastes it, and he's like, you didn't go with the cheap stuff first. Or the cheap, the cheap stuff last. You went with the cheap stuff first. <laughs> Here's the good stuff. Because when Jesus does something, he does it well, right? So now he has this wine, and it's, it's new wine, right? Brand new. Well, what, what do we know about wine? If you're, if you're going to have wine that's good, it takes time, Right? Unless God wants to make it otherwise. <laughs> All right, how long does it take God to make a diamond? As quickly as he wants it, right? Well, that oil, that had to have been formed by all of these millions of years. Well, or God just decided that's how it was going to be when he created it. Right? Yep. Amongst others. Well, <laughs> this one, you know, that Jesus participated in. Right. Created like yes. wine. Right. They wouldn't have been like, oh, this is great Welch's, right? Uh, they, they would have been like, why did you give us grape juice? This is just freshly squeezed. Um, yeah. No, very, very clearly. Very clearly. I equate the master to a present-day scientist who knows all there is to know about wine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if... And, and, and that the old wine, the aged wine, yeah. Jesus did it in an instant. Right. And it just seems like, it, like you were saying, it just kind of proves a six-day creation. Yeah, I mean, uh, can God create things with age? Adam and Eve weren't created as babies, right? Uh, so, yeah, very much so. Uh, so, you know, this is this is showing the power of Jesus, though, right? Is it possible for you to turn water into wine? 
I mean, if you get enough grapes and, you know, that kind of thing, you could kind of sort of make it work that way, I guess, over time. But really, God is the one who's given all of that in the first place. And, you know, so, but Jesus doesn't need any of that. He's just like, oh, here's water. Now it's wine. Perfect, aged, wonderful wine. Okay. Um, And this also is a callback to Isaiah. Isaiah prophesies that, you know, on that mountain, uh, you will, you know, eat, um, you know, the marrow and drink well-aged wine. Uh, so this is a, a kind of a callback to Isaiah. Um, but then verse 11, this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. I can't help but think of Jeff Foxworthy, right? Here's your sign. You guys remember that? Okay. (laughs) Here's your sign. And Jesus is doing that, but it's a very different kind of sign. (laughs) What kind of sign? Why does he call it a sign? Why doesn't he call it a miracle? It is a miracle, isn't it? Yeah, it's a miracle. But John didn't call it that. Why does he call it a sign? Why? Yeah, because it points to Jesus, right? It is a sign that reveals something of Jesus. So he does the first of his signs, which means there's going to be more. And he manifested his glory. What does that mean? He manifested his glory. Yeah, yeah. Revealed it, showed it, um, made it tangible, right? Made it something you could could uh, see, experience. Um, and his disciples, what believed in him? Okay. Why does Jesus do these signs? So that his message is confirmed, and people believe. Okay. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Okay. So, that's pretty mundane, right? <laughs> What's that like, all about? <laughs> here you go. Um, I'm going to show my glory and... And let's let's just go kind of hang out for a few days with the with the family. <laughs> uh, but but of course, this is you know Jesus is uh, living a very human life. You know we forget the humanity sometimes, don't we? We just think like here is you know. God in human flesh, so he is just like Superman. And, uh, you know, the everyday mundane things that we do, well, they don't apply to him. He doesn't even know what that's like. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, he knows. He knows what that's like. Uh, He knows the uh, the day-to-day that we went through, that we, you know, go through now. Um, But... uh, you know that that's a an, an aspect of um, of Jesus. Okay, 
We're going to stop there. Um, let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again. We thank you for sending your Son to be God with us. We thank you that you have revealed to us that he is the Son of God, the King of Israel, and that you have uh, allowed us to know of the signs that he did that reveal who he is. We ask that you would uh, confirm the faith that you have given us, that we would be ready and willing to say to friends and to family and to coworkers and to neighbors, come and see and allow you uh, to do the work that you have promised to do. All of these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.